so glad to be in the house of God today. That song just is so beautiful. Hallelujah. Um, I want to thank Brother Parrish for allowing me this opportunity, allowing me to be up here, uh, an unworthy young man. But God is so good. He's so faithful. Um, I'd love to get up here and just scream and preach like everybody else has. But that is not what God has had me on the journey of. Um, if you would grab your Bibles, if you would turn with me to a scripture that we've already talked about. Thanks to Brother Putnam. He found my Bible with my notes. I'm just kidding, sir. I'm copying you. So if he doesn't have anything to preach tonight, it is my fault. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. I'd like to read this one verse of scripture. And this is where it all began for me. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray today that you would just anoint your messenger. God, please don't let me preach anything of me. But let me just convey to this great solemn assembly today what you have been doing in my life. Where you've got me, dear God, and where I believe you have your people going into new dimensions of ministry and new areas, dear God, passing a baton from those before us to us that if you should tarry, we will pass to someone else, dear God, going on and higher and deeper in ministry. Dear God, but it all starts with where you are. And help us today to know where you are in the name of Jesus. I pray, dear God, that every heart and mind would be open today. But most of all, that my heart and mind would be open to you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Amen. Turn to somebody and shake their hand. Give them a high five, whatever, and then you may be seated. I am very aware of the time, and though I am a carnally, I will try to keep this short. Y'all may be seated. Probably close to two years ago, you know, most of you know me. I was raised in, in and around this district. I used to get in fights with kids when I was a kid because they would call my grandparents, grandma and grandpa. And I would say, but they are mine. And so I've been around a long time, and I have learned not because of example, but I have learned because of my sinful nature how to become professional at being a Christian, how to become professional at being even a Pentecostal, and how to work an altar to my advantage and work an altar with, with me in mind. But about two years ago, I stumbled on this verse that I've read so many times through my, my bread whenever I got beyond Genesis in January. Amen. And this verse simply said, let the mind that was in Christ Jesus be also in you. So for me, I, it just hit me one day and I said, wait a minute, Lord, let this mind. 
I've read all the books. I've gone through the seven habits and all this and the paradigm shift and, and the way your mind works and how important these things are. And so really to apply those things into my spirit, man, when I came across this verse, I said, wait a minute. I have been struggling so much. And about this time, the Lord gave me a message for our church. And he said, and the Lord specifically told me, he said, I see the anguish and I see the frustration and anger in my church. And how many years had I been living in frustration and self-condemnation? How many years has it been? And I said, Lord, I see it. I feel it. Believe me, every time I look into the mirror, I see it in my eyes. I'm frustrated. And I said, Lord, where is this coming from? And he said, it's because my church are trying to manipulate fruit rather than change the tree. I said, God, I don't want to be that way. Change me. Don't, don't let me just continually look at the fruit and say, it's not good enough. What do I do? Let me produce the fruit. And he said, you're producing the fruit that's in you. And I came across this verse and Apostle Paul shows me, let the mind that was in Christ Jesus be also in you. He gives me a way out there. He says, the mind that was in Christ Jesus, the way he thought, you too can have this. If it wasn't, God would never have given it to Paul to write in the epistles. And so I got on this journey of, Lord, I want to become like you, but in order to become like you, I have to be like you. I have to think like you. And so that became my, my cry. And Okay, Lord, how, how do I get there? He said, you've got to know me. Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't come to you with, with, with fancy words and a big SAT vocabulary. I come here only to know Jesus and him crucified. And that's how he ministered, which sent me on. And I was reading Philippians, and I got into chapter 3. And verse number 10 begins. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. We talk about death. We talk about crucifying flesh and self. And, 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 but, but what does it truly mean? I'm a sanguine and I've been around a long time. And one thing that sanguines are great at is trying to put on a facade to make it look like we have it all together. But one thing I've never struggled with is knowing where I truly am. So as I pass myself in the mirror or I'm brushing my teeth in the morning, I'm looking in my eyes and I see not what you see, not even what, what my family sees, but I see, I see what's in front of me. I see what's looking at me. I see the intentions of the man that stands before me. I see the heart. I see the zeal. I see why he does everything he does and why he's always done everything he's done. And it's a sobering moment. When you have to look at yourself and begin to preach to yourself. Brother Jeff, he was helping me pray and he said, I'm going to be praying for you. Preaching to preachers is tough. I said, Brother Jeff, I'm not preaching to preachers. I'm preaching to me. I've been preaching to myself for several years. Why? Because I've got to be like Jesus. My goal is to become like Jesus. And sometimes we get crucified, but, but it's okay because you can never crucify yourself. Somebody else has got to put you on the cross. If I need to be changed, if I need to be different, my, my elders are there to help me. 
Does it look like they crucify? Yes, sometimes it looks like and it feels like you're being crucified. But is it for what's best? Yes, it's for what's best. I got to ride down to Homer with Brother Churchill last summer and I preached part of this message where God had me last year. I'd read verse 12, not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. The word attain literally means to take and apprehend is, is, is catalambano. It means to lay hold of like a police officer would lay hold of. He chases you down and he catches you and he puts you where you deserve to be. What? I went from saying, God, I want your mind to, to this naturally went to, to the purpose that God has for my life. And so I became just, just, just enthralled and so interested in the purpose that God has for me. What does God want for me? What does God want from me? And so that became my, 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 my candy stick, if you will. It became everything in me. What is my purpose? Am I fulfilling my purpose? And I'm sure many of you have read Purpose Driven Church and Purpose Driven Life and Purpose Driven Youth Ministry and Purpose Purpose because there, there's so much and there's such a truth there in, in knowing our purpose. But he said, if I may apprehend, if I can chase down and catch that reason that God chased me down, and caught me what was in his mind. See, I know what I see when I look in the mirror. But that's not what God sees when he looks at me. And what I've got to do is I've got to find out what God is thinking of me and what God is saying of me. And I've got to find that purpose when he, when he looks at me and he says, this is what I see. That's what I have to look for. And that's, that's what I have to seek out to, to try to fulfill his purpose for my life. Not my purpose, not my parents' purpose, not the church's purpose, but his purpose for me. He said, I want to apprehend that for which I'm called. And that sent me... That sent me on another journey. And then God has even moved me beyond that. And because that's so true, I've got to have the mind of Christ. And I struggle and I fight to find that mind. And, and, and just if, if Jesus is going to do something in a moment, then, then I need to make sure that I'm, I'm so close to him that that's what I do. I've got to find that purpose. But like I said, this journey has brought me to the place where I am today. And I... Brother Paris did not bring me up here because I have all the answers. Brother Paris, I don't know why you brought me up here. But a couple months ago, God really started me on this. And I don't know if you've seen any of my posts, and I've tried to stay off Facebook with this because I knew he had me on this schedule, and I didn't want everybody knowing all my notes. And I know I'm too old to hashtag anything but I have been hashtagging pursuit. When I ask God, God, what do you want from me? Do you want me to be a better preacher? Do you want me to be a better husband, a better pastor, a better father? What, what do you want from me? And Jesus has only told me in these last several months, I want one thing from you and I want you to pursue me. I want you to pursue me. I want you to apprehend not my purpose for your life, but I want you to apprehend me. Yes. 
I don't, I, don't, I don't want to stand next to God and say, this is him and this is God. No, I want the lines to become so blurry that they don't know where I end and where God begins. I want to be one with Jesus. I want to be one with him. In my spirit, in my spirit, I, I, I can identify with some people in the word of God. In Genesis chapter 30, Rachel is speaking to Jacob. And, and, and we know the story, and I'm not going there, but, but what I want to I show is the hunger, the desire that she has when she looks to her husband and she says, give me children lest I die. I understand that kind of, that kind of drive because it drives me. It drives me when I'm alone with God and give me you, God, or else I die. I've got to find you. I've got to be with you, Jesus. I have to. I don't care about the way I preach. I don't care about ministry. I've got to find you. I know there's a calling and I don't doubt that calling. I don't down that calling. But what good is a calling and what good is a ministry if we've lost sight of Jesus? Genesis 32, just two chapters later, we read about Jacob. Verses 24 to 26. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And we know the story. It's, it's, it's morning. You've got to let me go. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And he touched the hollow of his thigh. And we know that story. But I recognize and I understand that kind of hunger. I understand that kind of desire. God, I've got to be with you. I've got to have you. There's something that I need from you that I can't get anywhere else. I can't get it from another man. I can't get it from a wife. I can't get it from children or from parents. It only comes from you. And so I cannot let you go until you give this to me. 1 Samuel 1, 10 to 13. And it does look like I just copied right from Brother Putnam's notes, but I promise I didn't. We see the story of Hannah. This verse number 10 says, And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. She made a covenant for him. She goes on and her, her mouth was marked and, and, and even the man of God came and said, what have you been drinking? And she said, no, I've not been drinking. I haven't been, haven't been drinking anything. I'm not drunken. But, but now let me, let, let me take these three verses of scripture, these three places, and, and, and ask you what I've had to ask myself in my spiritual mirror with Rachel to Jacob. I've had to look myself in the mirror and point my finger in my own face and say, Jonathan, when's the last time that you were this compassionate about something of God? When was it? When was it that you were driven to your knees? When was it that you, you didn't just schedule a fast and said, hey, everybody, let's fast, but you were driven to fast? When you were driven in your spirit 
to make a sacrifice and do something that's not fun and something that's not easy for him. I don't know how you talk to yourself, but I can be pretty downright ugly and mean when I talk to me. I, I, don't, I don't get all fancy. I don't get all, all nice. And, and No, I cut through all that because, see, I know me. And I ask straight up questions and I ask hard questions and I make myself squirm when I ask these questions. Why? Because it's not about me living for me. It's about me living for him. When was the last time you were this compassionate about something for God? With Jacob in Genesis 32. And this hit me hard because being raised around church and being in such good preaching and such great services and environments, I've done this I don't know how many times, but when was the last time you were so determined to not let go of him for a blessing or to be made whole? How many times did, did, did we sit here and, 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 and just hear the preaching and feel the presence of God in such a mighty and awesome way? And then determine God, yes, I need something from you. I'm not leaving tonight until I get it. And we go down to the altar and we get a little, a little bit of a, of a tingle in our spirit. And we go, well, you know, the restaurant's open and I, I, I feel pretty good. And so we go on. When was the last time you determined in your spirit to not let him go? Until you have received what it is you need from him. These are not easy questions for me to ask myself. Definitely not easy questions for me to answer myself. In 1 Samuel 1, verse 10, she had a bittering spirit. She was to the place of such desperation, which these men of God have spoken about this week. But when, when, Jonathan, did you put your pride aside and allow the bitterness in your spirit, the bitterness of where you've been, the bitterness of what you've been stuck with, to drive you to weep sore before him because you just wanted to be close to him. Oh, we don't mind. And I, I don't, please. This is not against anyone, but we don't mind weeping sore for the church. We don't mind weeping sore for lost souls. We don't mind weeping sore when our children are going through something or when our family is, is in the midst of despair and when we're having to fight all this hell that we've been having to fight this last year and the last few months and the last several years. We don't mind weeping bitterly sore in the altar for that. But God asked me this. And I had to ask myself, when's the last time you wept bitter sore or you wept sore just because you wanted me? I would love, love to tell you, but guess what? I've come with the answer. But I can't. See, I know I'm 
speaking today and it's just devotions. I'm not preaching. I'm not talking down. This is a devotion. This is about where God has me on the wheel. Because I think every answer based on where everyone's at is going to be different of what this answer looks like. But I do welcome you to ask yourself these questions. To be honest with yourself. To be honest with God. And to give Him everything. I know we're all preachers, we're all pastors, pastors' wives and ministers. We have ministries that God's called us all to, no matter how young or how old. And I, I don't even, I don't want to make it sound like I think I've got the answer for this district. Because that's not my intention at all. But I have felt for some time as Brother Putnam talked about yesterday with, with, with passing the baton, that there is coming a new level of ministry. And, and if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can get sucked into something that where we don't need to be. Jesus twice in Matthew 15, 8, and in Mark 7, 6, said basically this, in Matthew or in Mark, he calls the people hypocrites and he said, You're killing me because you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. I don't want to become part of the, the negative prophecy over a hundred years ago that we praise a God we no longer pray to. Wherever it is that you're, you are today, would you mind with me? Could we just stand and we could, could we sing this song, I Surrender All? I know we're fixing to go into communion service, and that's great. But right now, can we just get our minds upon us and God? Forget about the ministry. Forget about everything around us and just connect with God for ourselves one more time today. <laughs>